Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 8th, and you're listening to The Daily Buzz. I'm today's host, Colby Peterson. A bill proposed during Utah's general legislative session would allow doctors to prescribe life-ending drugs to patients with terminal conditions at the patient's written request. Salt Lake Tribune columnist Robert Gerke writes that similar bills have been proposed in years past, but they faced fierce opposition, never landing a hearing. This time, a hearing is expected. Bill sponsor Representative Jenner Daly Provost, a Salt Lake City Democrat, hopes her colleagues' opinions on medically assisted suicide have changed. Currently, 10 states have death with dignity laws, including Colorado and Oregon. Next, Salt Lake Tribune managing editor Grant Burningham spotted a Twitter thread from Utah Senator Todd Weiler that offered a behind-the-scenes look at Capitol Hill. Grant called the senator to ask about the tweets. So with me right now is Senator Todd Weiler. Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Grant. So your list jumped out at me because we don't often get a look at what's going on behind the scenes at the Capitol. Maybe you can walk me through some of these surprises. Yeah, sure. Okay, so almost 90% of all votes on bills are unanimous or nearly unanimous votes. Yeah, I think that's a surprise to people that don't have a lot of experience up here on Capitol Hill in Utah. And I'm often embarrassed because I'll invite a guest to come to the Senate floor and they'll sit there for an hour and everybody's just like drones voting eye on everything because there's nothing controversial. And, you know, um, there are budget bills and there are um, technological updates that we make and they're just not controversial. All right. Number three, there are free soda fountain machines. Um, And my question on this is it's not funded by taxpayers. Who's paying for your soda? I believe it's the food and beverage industry. We are allowed to receive like uh, meals and drinks from from people as long as they're under a certain threshold, which I think about $45. But in any event, as long as I've been up here and before I was up here, um, we we have this sort of machines. Okay, then we get down to number eight. You do not draft your own bills. Who drafts your bills? So we have an Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel. And even though I'm a lawyer, I could draft a bill, but then I'd have to hand it to them. And they have stylistic manuals that they follow. It has to be numbered in a certain way. It has to go through a a certain proofreading process. And so our bills have to go through uh, an analysis to see what they would cost the state if the policies changed. And we have to fund those fiscal, what we call fiscal notes through our budget or else the bill dies. Because unlike Washington, D.C., we can't print our own money, so we and we we have a constitutional mandate that we have to pass a balanced budget. So every bill is analyzed. I have one bill this year that will provide paternity leave for three weeks to non-birth parents in the event of a, an adoption or a birth or a legal guardianship. That has a fiscal note of almost $1.8 billion. So even if I pass that bill through, if it's not funded, it'll die. It won't, it won't go into law. All right, I'm going to jump down to the bottom of the list here. There are more similarities with junior high than any of us want to admit. <laughs> Today is kind of casual Friday, so a lot of us are wearing jeans, and a lot of legislators will wear sneakers on Fridays, and uh, there's kind of your cliques, you know, there's kind of the cool kids, and and we have our student council elections when we elect our Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate, so, um, you know, we're about, there's 104 legislators, um, and uh, we're, you know, and sometimes people get mad at each other, sometimes people are stabbing each other in the back, but, you know, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but um, politics does remind me at times of of the junior high antics. 
All right, last question for you today, Todd. Uh, how is the session going and how, how are you doing it moving through priorities this year? Um, the session's going really well for me. Um, uh, I, I really enjoyed this session. I, I will say this has been a unique year because normally on day one, which for us was January 18th, the day after Martin Luther King Day, usually day one, we're all glad handing and slapping each other on the back and it's all ceremonial. We hear from the governor, we hear from the chief justice of the Supreme Court. And we did all that, but then, we had this uh, raucous debate in the in the Senate to repeal the mask mandate, and you you had a straight party line vote where all the Republicans voted aye and all the Democrats voted nay, and it was very contentious floor debate. Which for me, as a former high school debater, was kind of fun, but um, I've never seen a first day like that. Usually, it takes a couple of weeks for us, you know, uh, to get into that kind of partisan split. I, I voted to repeal the mask mandate. I, I could have probably gone either way on that, but. Um, um, it, it was a little bit sad to me that we started off on such a partisan basis because that's um, that's less than 5% of our debates up here. So that kind of defined the first week for me a little bit. All right. Thanks so much for talking to us today, Todd. Thank you. And a recently published study shows how much more dangerous COVID-19 is for pregnant women. Here's reporter Becky Jacobs for more details. Pregnant people sick with COVID-19 are roughly 40 times more likely to develop serious complications or die than pregnant people who haven't had the virus. That's according to a new nationwide study published Monday that was led by University of Utah Health obstetrician, Dr. Tori D. Metz. The more severe your COVID-19 symptoms are, the more likely you are to suffer serious pregnancy complications, even from common risks such as high blood pressure, postpartum hemorrhage, or in other infections. It can also increase your chances of a premature birth. Med said this study provides more evidence that pregnant people should get the vaccine to prevent serious illness and serious complications. I'm Becky Jacobs for the Salt Lake Tribune. Utah processed more than 55,000 positive COVID-19 tests over the weekend. However, the Utah Department of Health says numbers could be inaccurate due to false negatives from rapid antigen tests. A review of rapid and lab-processed PCR tests found that more than 60% of people received a false negative on their antigen test. The state has since halted the use of rapid COVID-19 tests. In some good news, COVID-19 hospitalizations came down last weekend. Health officials reported a little more than 700 people remained hospitalized on Monday, down from more than 780 on Friday. And that's it for Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Thanks to the Tribune's Sage Miller for editing the Daily Buzz. And a big shout out to Salt Lake City's own The Pelicans for our music. Have a good day, folks.